Good morning, everybody. We're continuing on in our series, One Month to Live. The title of the message this morning is Love Completely. You know, it's, it was amazing to hear uh, Denise and Greg share from their life. And it's amazing for Nathan to be getting baptized today. So I know I've known Nathan since he was one. I'll tell you a funny story about Nathan. I think he was about five or six at the time, back in the days where we duplicated our sermons on cassette. So that gives you a time frame. And Denise was riding in the car listening to uh, the Sunday sermon, and Nathan was in the back and said, Mom, who is that? And she said, well, Nathan, do you recognize the voice? And he goes, yeah. She goes, who do you think it is? And he goes... Is it God? <laughs> she said, no, it's not God. What's your next guess? He goes, Ricky Martin. <laughs> Which makes me wonder what music Denise is listening to at home. But anyway, so I, I always gave Nathan a hard time. You know, I went from God to Ricky Martin, and then she said, no, that's Ron. And he goes, oh, I knew I knew that voice, you know, so... See, since Nathan is not my son, I don't have to ask permission to share stories about him. So that's good. <laughs> that's right. Um, but time is short, and I, I could not share anything more impacting than what Denise and Greg shared to bring home uh, how you would feel if your days were numbered. Of course, our goal right now is to live life with our days numbered. I know having gone through uh, the loss of my dad a few months ago, I'm in tune with the feeling and really wanting things to be able to end in such a way where there's no regrets. There's nothing that I go, oh, I wish I would have told dad this. Or I've got this angst and I wish I would have resolved it no, that, that is one of the things I look back and I go, I, I've got no regrets. I said everything I wanted to say, um, you know, and, and for that I'm thankful. And that is something that I rehearse in my mind. It was a, every relationship should be that way where if, if today was the last day, there's no regrets. And I think when it comes to loving completely, this love is... It's foreign to the world. It's a different kind of love. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, the Bible talks about the difference with Christianity and the cross. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, the world will never fully understand the difference of a cross-powered lifestyle. There's things that we do as Christians that the world looks at and go, that's unnecessary. I would not spend my energy doing that. 
But I'll tell you what, on your deathbed, there's a lot of principles of Christianity that if you haven't lived out to that point in your life, you're going to wish you had. And loving completely is one of those. Because every relationship has challenges. If you're somebody's friend, a close friend for any length of time, you'll be forced to summit the mountain of misunderstanding. You say, what's that? Well, it's when the friendship first begins and you just think, oh, this is so great. We get along so well. But then as the friendship persists, one day you realize, wow, they're, they're not exactly the person I thought. Um, you know, after the honeymoon, you figure this out in marriage. And you figure out differences that you did not know ahead of time. Things like if they're a tooth toothpaste squeezer or a folder, which way the toilet paper goes, which way they put the clothes in the closet. You know, really important stuff like are socks folded or do you kind of stuff them together in a ball? Remember the first time buying groceries with my wife. I was really excited about it. You know, teamwork. We're married now. We get to go shopping. It's husband and wife. And the grocery cart started down the fruits and vegetables part of the store. And we had a limited money supply at that point. And so I just started doing the math as she was filling up the cart with rabbit food. And <laughs> after she got pretty far into the process, I just said, um, honey, can I just say something? For me, the meal is meat and potatoes, and everything else is just a garnish. And if we have no money for vegetables or fruit, I can live with that for the rest of my life. So she put a pack of chicken in there and looked at me, and I go, pork chops. I'm like, I go, no, let's just take out some of the fruit and vegetables so we have more money for meat. And so we made it through that first shopping time, and then from then on, she goes, honey, I'll just take care of the shopping. <laughs> but if you've eaten at our house, you know that we're heavy on meat. And so, you know, she's an awesome wife. But that, that grocery shopping adventure, was it, that was, you know, a small mountain of misunderstanding. But you have those things where you think, oh, life can't get any better. And all of a sudden you're in conflict over something that, that could be little, it could be big. And you're like, wow, where did this come from? I had no idea. Another mountain. It's the mountain of me first. And this happens at some point in the relationship where you started to feel like, but what about me? And you start kind of bartering in your mind of, I'll do this for you, but first you need to do this for me. And it's the mindset of going, hey, I'll do what I need to do, but you need to show that you're in this by taking your steps first. Oh, I'm willing to serve, but you need to serve me first. 
And that can paralyze a relationship, that mountain. Because you can end up in a stalemate. Because most of the time, if a relationship, friendship gets to that point, both people have dug in and have the me first mentality. And somebody's got to take the first step. The third mountain is the mountain of mistakes, sins, and hurts. No relationship of any significance, no friendship of any length at all will exist without sins, hurts, and mistakes happening. The only person that will never sin against you is somebody that you don't have any meaningful, uh, depth-filled conversation with. And a relationship's tested. But I can tell you this, it's not whether or not sin occurs that is the destruction of friendships. It's whether or not we're willing to summit that mountain of mistakes and deal with our bitterness and resentment and get over the top. You say, what's it going to take? If, if we're going to get to the summit of these mountains, what's it going to take? I'm going to talk about two things today. First of all, is, is called the rope of acceptance. Anybody in here rock climb? Okay, a few. I've been rock climbing a few times. A friend of mine, Armando, took me rock climbing once. And, uh, you know, there's different types of rock climbing. You, you know, top roping is where you have an anchor at the top of the cliff and you put a rope over it and then somebody holds you while the other person climbs. And so as you climb, then they take the slack in and they hold you. Well, that whole process is called bilete, okay? And I remember once where Armando and I were climbing, and Armando was, was actually doing the climbing. We were at the Planet of the Apes Wall in Malibu Creek State Park. And he had kind of climbed out to the side of the anchor point, but he fell. And so, you know, I locked in the belay point, and I was, you know, holding him. But the, the thing is, but he, he swung from the side and swung right across the belay rope. And, and so, you know, he blasted right into the rope, and I wasn't anchored in with my harness. And so it knocked me off my stance. And so there was a big sticker bush right to the left of me. So he drugged me holding his belay into the sticker bush. Now, you kind of have a choice at that point. I could have protected myself from the sticker bush. But I was his anchor point. He would have fallen about 35, 40 feet. So I just held on and got all scraped up. And then we laughed about it later. But, you know, that, that's, that's the rope of acceptance. And what the rope of acceptance is, it's, it's, your, it's your security. And it says things like, I love you, period. Not, I love you if you become this person. Or I love you because I have a vision of you changing and, and becoming into this person. You see, that's not a rope of acceptance. 
You know, I love you if you get a good grade on your exam. I love you if you get promoted. I love you if you treat me right. I love you when you treat me the way I deserve to be treated. No, see, that's not a rope of acceptance because basically what we're saying is if you don't meet my standards, I don't accept you. That means you drag me into a sticker bush, I'm going to let you fall. You know, there's no security in feeling like you got to perform every day to get somebody's approval. And you will never build a close relationship without the rope of acceptance. The relationship that says, I love you. Period. If you didn't change a single thing for the rest of your life, I love you. And I'm fired up to be your friend. I think about what Paul says in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Starting in verse 5, down through verse 7. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another then. They want us to think about our relationships. And I want you to imagine being on your deathbed. And if you've had conditions with the people that you are close to, say, what talk would you want to have? What would you want to say over again? You see, when we accept somebody, we stop trying to change them. And we cherish them for who they are. No, there's no two people that think exactly alike. But sometimes in our pride, we think, well, our way is the best, and so everyone ought to change and become just like me. There's incredible benefit in relationships when there's differences of opinions, when there's two unique uh, perspectives brought into a situation. I can't tell you how many times my wife's perspective was radically different from mine, but was radically correct. <laughs> and it didn't feel that way at the time. You know, things like intuition. Intuition is not logical or factual. It did not compute. <laughs> so you're in there and you're talking about perspectives, and it, it used to be so annoying. Like, what do you mean you just have this feeling that this is going on. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? That makes no sense. That's illogical. That's just like, what, what is that? And I, I would stand my ground and be wrong. You know, now after many years of marriage, when my wife tells me that, I just have this feeling. There's times I, I get irritated. and Oh, wow, this is probably one of those times. 
and I benefit from cherishing that perspective. But what, what's the dynamic in your relationships? Do you cherish people for who they are? Are you constantly trying to convince them they need to be different? And if you were different, then, then we would get along just fine. No, you got you got a, a acceptance problem. We're putting standards saying you become this, then I'll be a good friend to you. Men and women are different. We think different, and that's good. I wouldn't want to be married to me. If we're going to successfully summit those mountains, we need the rope of acceptance. We're not going to get there on our own. Second thing we need is good traction. Good traction. They say, what puts traction in relationships? What allows us to have movement, to, to gain ground? Well, the Bible talks about some different things. We're going to talk about three different things. Consideration, cooperation, and commitment. Go to Philippians chapter 2. These all bring traction to a relationship. You go, well, I'm stuck. We spent time, but we're not getting anywhere. I want to be closer, but we're just not getting there. What can I do? You, you put these three things into practice, and you'll gain ground. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. That means you think of what that person needs in their life. Now, I want you to think for a moment last Sunday. Remember what we were doing last Sunday? Carousel Ranch. Some, some of you were holding down the fort with... The kids, and that was awesome. We needed you to do that. But there were over 250 people out at Carousel Ranch serving. Say, how'd you feel when you left? You know, I, I felt more bonded to Carousel Ranch. I felt more of a partnership. I was excited. Uh, you know, yeah, they put that article in the paper, and they called me Reverend Ron, and, like, <laughs> some, some of you tweeted and emailed but it's okay. You're on the rope of acceptance. I love you. <laughs> but you feel a greater partnership. Why? Because we went, we helped. You think about the services that they perform and the, the children and the families that they help. And I was just more excited about Carousel Ranch. Why? Because we help make it a nicer place and refurbish buildings and clean up and do landscaping and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it looks spectacular when we left. You see, when you're considerate, you can't help but feel closer to that person. But if we get in the me first mentality, if we're struggling with that second mountain, it's really hard to be considerate because basically what you're saying is I'm not going to be considerate until you show consideration to me first. You want to have a lot of good friends? Be a good friend. You say, well, I'm just lonely. 
Nobody around me is a good friend to me. Do you ever realize what the common denominator with that is? Yeah, you guessed it. You. You notice how some people never have a shortage of friendships and others struggle? Consideration. You give, you live as a considerate person, you'll have, you'll have lots of friendships. And the second one is, is cooperation. In, in John 13, Jesus said, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He knew his time was short. And so he chose what he did with great impact because he wanted there to be a lasting legacy. Greg talked about it during the communion of what he said in Matthew 28. And if your time is short, you say, I want my actions to make an impact. So what, what's it going to take? Cooperation. I want you to think for a moment, if you're married, what the Bible says about the marriage relationship. It says the two become one. Okay. So if husband and wife are not getting along, how many bodies are struggling with each other? One. Say, now, does that make any sense at all? You're fighting with yourself? No, you're, you're one. I remember growing up as a twin, you know, there, you get a lot of twin questions. One of them, do you feel pain when your brother gets hurt? No, I feel sad for him, unless I was the one afflicting him with pain. But I said, why would we get in a fight if we felt each other's pain? It'd be like me hitting him, ow! You go, well, that's kind of funny. You know what, when we have a relationship and we're competing with each other, you, you got problems in the one. He said, well, what's going to make the one function really well? To cooperate. In relationships, if we're constantly in competition, but my way, is it your way? What? We're not going to move forward. The body's not going to accomplish anything useful if it's fighting with itself. And Jesus said, okay, my time is short. I want what I do to have a maximum impact. And he washed his disciples' feet. Anybody here ever had, you know, as an adult, I'm not talking about like when you're a baby and somebody gave you a bath, but as an adult, you ever had anybody wash your feet? It is one of the most humbling things that, you'll ever feel and let's just say you know we weren't wearing like Moses mountain climbers in the middle of a desert with nasty dirt under our toes and all kinds of stuff and it was still humbling 
the foot washer was the lowest slave. And Jesus did that. It, it left an impact. It left a legacy. But it took vulnerability, took cooperation. Get rid of the competition. You know, Jesus' disciples were with him for over three years, and the Bible records numerous times where they're arguing over, oh, I want to sit on his right, and you can sit on his left, or no way. I'm the greatest. You're not the greatest. Hey, and you're sitting there going, for us who read these stories, you go, how can you be so clued out? And yet, do our relationships ever get that way? That's why Jesus said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash your feet. Peter's like, no way, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me do this, you have no part with me. And he goes, well, then wash my whole body too. <laughs> Peter was awesome. Are you in competition in relationships or cooperation? Do you bring the best out in each other? Or are you fighting for whose way is going to be right? The final Action is commitment. Commitment is an action. It's not a feeling. Commitment is hanging in the relationship through thick and thin. No matter what the situation is, you go, you know what? That's easy to do when life is good. Commitment is not tested. When that relationship is awesome, when that friendship is need meeting and it's mutually building up and encouraging and it's just so awesome that, that it's commitments not tested then it's when things get tough and in philippians chapter 2 chapter 2 paul says verse 12 and 13 therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It says your salvation is your responsibility. But he said if you're connected to God, he will give you the strength to do what? To will and to act. You know, self-denial is a part of Christianity. But if that's all Christianity is, is self-denial after self-denial after self-denial, you, you are not connected to God. Because the Bible says when we are, he works in us to will and to act, meaning the desire to act in a righteous way grows within us. Now, there's times where it is self-denial. But when we're connected to God... He strengthens us. He gives us what we need to do His work. Say, we need God to be committed in our relationships. And say, what, what do you mean? How, how do I need God? We need a committed daily relationship with God where we get our daily bread, where we can go to Him in the good times, in the bad times, where we can tap in to that source of strength so we can turn around and be the kind of men and women we need to be to the humans that we're connected with. 
And God says, oh, yeah, I will will and act in your life. But you got to be connected to God to get it. You say relationships are really hard. I'm not doing well, Adam. Get more connected to God. You say, well, I like going to church, but I've never really thought about a daily commitment. No, without it, your relationships are going to suffer. The Bible says that, you, you, you know, humans are easier to love than God. And God is perfect. So we got to tap into the source of strength so we can be the men and women that we're called to be. If you've never studied the Bible, I want to encourage you. Get in it with somebody. Open up the good word and say, teach me, show me, so I can tap into the strength, so I can love completely. I have not yet talked to a person who's close to death that the thing that did not matter, or the, the thing that mattered most to them was human relationships, where they were at with people. Let's not wait until our deathbed. Let's live now, counting the days that we have and treasuring the moments. Say, what, what's our goal? No regrets. That in each of our relationships, in each of our friendships, we're not carrying around things. I wish I would have resolved this. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have done this. Now, take the chance today and put it into practice. The love of Christians, the love of the cross is unique and it doesn't make sense to the world. It says, but to us who are being saved, the cross, it's the power of God for us who believe. Let's love completely. Let's focus on those two things. The rope of acceptance. I love you, period, not I love you if. And secondly, let's get good tractions with actions. Consideration cooperation and commitment we're halfway through our study of one month to live let's put these things into practice and let's live every day as if it was our last let's stand as we close in a final song